All right, well, let's pray together, and uh, then I have a word for you today. I have a message for you today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you unworthy to stand before this wonderful group of people, but I pray that each of us will take what we hear seriously. Um, we will listen to the questions that are asked, and uh, we will listen to your word. We will allow you to penetrate our hearts, and uh, we'll do things differently. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of my message today is, Do You Love Jesus? And you really, you know, don't, I don't want you to do that out loud because we would probably all say, yes, just like the little kids in the video, yes. But do you love Jesus? Jesus loves you, do you know that? Amen? Amen. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He rose from the grave. He stands before the Father to intercede for you. That means that Jesus prays for you. Did you know that? Did you know that? Jesus prays for you. The Holy Spirit prays in you and through you, and Jesus prays for you. He's constantly interceding. So you may not know what words to say. Your world may be coming apart. You may not have a clue as to what's going to happen in the future. Uh, everything is so unsettling. It seems like we have another catastrophe you know, every several months or sometimes every several weeks but we can trust Jesus and he loves you, amen? The question is, do you love Jesus? First of all, you have to have received Jesus, right? Well, let's just you know, take first things first. You've got to have permitted Jesus Christ to come into your heart. You have to believe that he died on the cross. Do you believe Jesus died on the cross? Do you believe he died for you? Do you believe he rose from the dead? Have you called on him to be your Lord? Have you opened your heart and asked him to come inside? See, that has to happen first. Otherwise, what I'm talking about will just sound theoretical, right? It will just sound clinical. It'll just sound religious. It's just a preacher saying, do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? That's what I'm asking you today, children, is do you love Jesus? And you all say, yes and amen. No, you don't do that, do you? Okay. So let's start with that fact, that reality. Every single one of us, those of us that are online, that are watching this later, uh, you may be a churchy person or you may not be a churchy person. You may not have been in church for a long time. Or you may watch this or other services all the time. But do you love Jesus? First of all, then you need to know Jesus. So you've got to start off with that. It's very, very important. Sometimes we call that being born again. Sometimes we call that being saved. It refers to the, the same experience that results in a position of righteousness in Christ, that results in Christ through his spirit coming into you, all right? So I don't want to take anything for granted. I want us to understand that because I'm not even going to want to love Jesus unless I have received him and I fully realize what he's done for me. You see, to believe that God exists, well, the uh, half-brother of Jesus, James, who was the first pastor of the Jerusalem church, said, you believe? Congratulations that you believe in God. The demons believe and they shudder. That's really not doing you any good. It just proves you're not a fool, right? The scripture says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God, they are corrupt, their deeds are vile. If you choose to believe in God, now I'm not trying to call names or anything like that. Uh, I met a new friend yesterday who was very honest with me and just said, you know what, I'm an atheist. 
And we had a great conversation. And it wasn't about being an atheist, and it wasn't about me trying to convince him that God exists or anything like that. And in fact, he may come to our church one of these days. Um, he had an interesting story. I'm not trying to make you feel bad if you're waffling and if you're dealing with doubt and all those sorts of things. I'm just telling you what the scripture says, right? The beginning of knowledge and the beginning of wisdom is to do what? Fear the Lord. Say, fear the Lord. So see, I don't have to love Jesus in order to be wise enough to fear the Lord and the coming judgment. That's just wisdom. But once you come to know Jesus, you begin to realize how much he loves you. And that should automatically cause a reciprocal reaction from you, right? So um, all of us have gone through childhood, right? We sent our kids upstairs, so uh, got a couple of kids maybe still down here, still going through childhood. And probably, hopefully, you love your parents. Why do you love your parents? Right? Now, I'm not saying your parents are perfect. None of our parents are perfect. Um, you might have grown up in an environment where your parents weren't there. And so an aunt and an uncle or a grandma and grandpa were your parents. Right? But you probably love those people that have raised you, that have been in your life because they've been in your life, because they cared for you. I've never had any kids of my own, but I was a youth minister for a decade and I've tried to be there for people over the years. So periodically I have people that will wish me a happy Father's Day and they show in their own ways that they love me. My friend, Jesus did far more for you than your parents ever could do. So what I'm going to say is he's deserving of your love. Would you agree with me on that? He's deserving of your love. So I'm going to read a passage from Revelation, and I'm going to preface it by saying this. Um, I was going to, if you were paying attention last week, I was going to do a series, and I still have that set up and ready to go. I was going to do a series in Daniel, and I started off last week with Daniel chapter 1, and I was all ready to go into the next uh, um, section, uh, which uh, I was calling uh, the test of crisis, and we may get there. But I've determined, at least at this point, and as I'm praying through it, that leading up to our church's anniversary, which I've not made a big deal out of, maybe I should have, because we actually started this church on Independence Day. Guess what? This year, Sunday falls on July the 4th. That's pretty cool, right? So I thought, you know, maybe I need to pay attention to us a little bit. Maybe I need to look at what the Lord wants to say to our people. That's you. Okay. I had people say, uh, you know, Pastor Darrell, I really like your church. And they're even coming here for a while. Your church, this is, no, it's your church. It's our church. Amen. This is your church. I'm just the guy taking care of it. Right. It's not you know, first church of Pastor D. I'm just the guy that's here. Um, but this is your church. And I hope that you are blessed by being here. I hope that you're paying attention to what the Lord is saying to you. I have people that come to me all the time and they'll say, you know, that message was just spot on. That really, really spoke to me and so forth. And that just proves that you're where you're supposed to be. Because we're not the only church preaching the truth, right? But if you're where you're supposed to be, you're going to hear from the Lord. If you're not, or if you're not 
the way you're supposed to be, that is receptive, you're probably not going to hear from the Lord. So what I'm going to say as I, as I preface uh, reading this to you is that I believe that these messages that I'm going to speak to you are prophetic. No, I don't mean to tell you that I'm going to foretell the end of time and you know, that I'm going to even tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. What the prophets did is they spoke to the people of Israel. And by and large, they told the people of Israel what they needed to know in order to change and draw closer to God. Now, I would guess that you would realize I try to do that for all of us every week, right? But I have for some years looked at the uh, book of Revelation and the first two chapters, excuse me, the first three chapters, uh, but specifically chapter two and chapter three are focused on the church now. And it is a series of messages to seven churches. And they were all in this area called Asia Minor. And by the way, if I, my speech is slightly slurred today, it's because I'm having to wear retainers. See, I have a smile now. Wow. It's really weird because this feels really fake. Does it look fake? Hi. My teeth are straight. I'm smiling. Do I look like a Cheshire cat? I don't know. Anyway, but the orthodontist was absolutely adamant about the fact that you need to wear these retainers all the time, except when you're eating or drinking coffee. Oh, man. So I take them out all the time. That's what I do. But nonetheless, forgive me for all of the, uh, the slurring of words and so forth. I'll get used to speaking with retainers in eventually. Um, but uh, so there are seven churches in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 that Jesus speaks to. Now, there are seven churches that were located in what is today Turkey. Right? But uh, in the Roman Empire, this was Asia Minor, and they're all grouped in kind of this little semicircle, right? And the Lord Jesus is seen walking among seven golden lampstands, and those seven golden lampstands represent those seven churches, right? And they have seven candles, and the seven candles represent the messengers in those seven churches, that is, the pastor teachers in those churches. It says the angels of the seven churches, but that word angelos, although an angel is another order of being from a human being, the word angelos that names angel, that word in Greek, just means messenger. The angels are God's messengers, right? And so the messengers of the seven churches are the pastors and teachers of the seven churches. So Jesus said, here's the message that I have for you to get to your church. So. This is the, the Apostle John on the island of Patmos. He receives this message from Jesus. So even though Revelation is about the end of time, it starts in the here and now. And I believe that these seven churches represent seven types, right? And I think that any church during the church age, we could call it, can identify with one or more of these seven churches. What I want you to do is understand the church is not an institution. LifeWell is uh, an organization, certainly. Um, it is a community, but LifeWell is you guys. Um, it is you all joined together, called out from the world, and called to be a part of this group of people. And so I want to speak a word to you. So I want you to listen to this word from the Lord Jesus. Um, I'm going to read Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. This was to the church at Ephesus. Um, the Apostle Paul spent an extended period of time at this church, two years, 
and saw tremendous fruit in the entire region of Asia Minor as the result of that. And one of the last things that the Apostle Paul said to them when he left and said, you're not going to see me anymore, is he said, I know that false teachers will come in and try to lead you astray. So bear that in mind when you hear this message that the Lord spoke to this church, because I think that this message to them is a message to us. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be false. And you have perseverance, and you have endured for my name's sake, and have not grown weary. So he starts off with a commendation. He says, I know that you've been going the right direction. You've held on. But, he says, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet this you do have. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. This was a heretical group. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So my question to you is, do you love Jesus? Did you ever love Jesus? Have you left your first love behind? You see, we can get so busy doing the work of ministry we can get so busy doing all the right things and having all the right opinions and standing up for the truth. And it might just be me that I'm talking to here, but I suspect it's not. That we leave behind the reason we're doing this to begin with. Listen, I love gathering with you guys. Uh, you know, I, I'll be quite honest with you. I'm not a big party guy anymore. Um, so... Uh, yeah, you know, the teenagers were going to have the graduation party at The Rock yesterday, and as it was coming, I was like, woo, woo, right? But then once I got there and got to hang out with y'all and got to ride the weird bull, it was actually pretty much fun, and I was glad that I was there. I like having fellowship with you all. But see, we're not a social club. You know, you guys, I've mentioned this before, but you do know that there are atheist churches, right? They call them atheist assemblies. You know why? Because even if somebody doesn't admit that there is a God, they still need fellowship. We still need to collect together. People need to hang out together. And that's great. But that's not the reason that we come to church. We come to church and we do what we do, hopefully, because we love Jesus. But see, I just strongly suspect that our love for Jesus has waned. That we don't have that, that fresh sense of affection for the Lord that we once had. How long has it been? How long has it been since your heart was tender toward Jesus? You see, you hear me talk every Sunday, but I hope you're listening to the Holy Spirit right now. Has it been since you were a teenager? Has it been since we started this church? Or since you started coming? To, how long has it been since you loved Jesus? Now, love is an action. Love is a verb. There's no question about it. But friend, 
we don't understand love if we don't understand that there are some very, very strong feelings around it. Amen? And even if, or maybe I should say even when, you've fallen short, even when you've failed the Lord, when you receive the mercy of God, when you receive His grace, it humbles you. It humbles me. And it makes me love Jesus even more. So there was a sinful woman, praise the Lord, girl. Um, there was a sinful, well, she's speaking in tongues back there. There was, a sinful, there was a sinful woman that came and poured perfume all over Jesus' feet, and she was wiping his feet with her hair, which to me is kind of disgusting, but okay. Um, I'm just being honest with you. And uh, it was kind of disgust, disgusting to the uh, people that were in there. Now, I'm not saying disgusting because she was a sinful woman. I'm saying I wouldn't want perfume all over my feet and somebody's hair on me. I just, sorry. But um, the, the person whose house Jesus was eating at was like, you know, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman that is that's touching him. Ew. And Jesus knew what he was thinking. And so we asked him a question. He said, who will be more grateful? The one to whom much has been forgiven or the one to whom little has been forgiven? What do you think? Who's going to be more grateful? The one who has had a lot of sin forgiven or the one who's had very little sin forgiven? Who do you think will be more grateful? Oh, of course. In fact, Jesus even told another story about that. He told a story about a man that owed millions of dollars to a king, and the king was going to have him and his family thrown in jail. And the man fell on his face and begged the king, and the king forgave his entire debt. Wow. Wouldn't you be grateful if you owed millions of dollars and it was just forgiven altogether? That would be awesome. Um, Sadly, that man was not grateful like he should have been because the point of the story was that that man went out and tried to choke somebody that owed him like about $100. And when uh, the other servants and other friends saw this, they went back to the king and the king threw him in jail anyway. The point to that story is when you're forgiven, you need to be a forgiver. Amen? But see, if you really realize what a sinner you are, and you're not out here trying to justify yourself, Right? trying to prove that you're right all the time, as some of us are. If you really realize the depravity that you would descend into if you didn't have Jesus, if you really realize how utterly nasty your sin is, and you really, really receive the grace of God, then there is an overwhelming abundance of overflowing gratitude that comes up. Because you just know, Pick the worst person out there. You know, we love to do this on social media, right? We love to, to single out these people that are, you know, use all these names. Because it makes us feel better. Well, I, at least I'm not like that. At least I didn't kill anybody. At least I'm not out there doing with that person. It makes us feel better about ourselves. But what you don't realize is, but by the grace of God, there go you and I. Amen? Just imagine what you would be like without Jesus. I would be a mess. You probably wouldn't like me. Did you ever see that old TV show, House? Yeah, I'd be that guy. Nobody really liked him either. He was kind of a smart aleck. He thought he knew everything, and he was pretty smart. But he just kind of pushed everybody. I think I'd be a lot like that. I'd be in a lot of trouble all the time. But my heart's been tendered because of what the Lord Jesus has done for me. And it was renewed to me this week how much the Lord loves me and how much I love the Lord. 
And I do love Jesus. And I hope you love Jesus. And if you've gotten to the place where you're so distracted or where you're so dry, where your affection is just dried up, where you just don't care anymore. You know what? The opposite of love is what? You would think it's hate. And many times, somebody who loves someone can immediately switch and start hating them. Have you noticed that? But I think, I'm just going to put this out there. I, I'm not saying, you know, there's a verse that I can point to that shows you that I'm right. But I think the real opposite of love is apathy. You just don't care. It's really interesting because when you hate somebody, you're showing that you actually care about them. They're just not what you want them to be, right? But when you don't care, it's like live, die, I don't care what you do. That's terrible. That's not love. The Lord Jesus said that in the end times, that there will be a lot of lawlessness. In other words, people will be a law unto themselves. They don't obey outside principles, right? Your truth, my truth, that sort of thing. He said in the last days, because of lawlessness, most people's love will grow cold. Oh, we definitely see that. The first person your love grows cold toward is Jesus. So I want you to really evaluate. What has Jesus done for you? And if you haven't figured this out yet, he's done everything for you. He's died for you. He rose. He overcame death for you. He's been watching over you even when you didn't realize he was watching over you. Do you love Jesus? That's my real question to you. Well, Jesus said that as a disciple, my first priority needs to be to love God with all that I am, right? Jesus was asked, what's the greatest law in all the commandments, greatest commandment? And he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. That comes from the, the Shema and from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Um, so if my first priority is to love God, who's God? You see, this is, this is what I want us all to consider you might say God, and somebody else might say God, and not mean the same thing. Do you realize that? People have different concepts of God. Now, I'm not going to go all into that. I'm just going to say that God is a word, and people attach different ideas to that word. But I want you to understand that the one true God is not a concept. He's not an idea. For some people, I've heard people say, I'm not religious, I'm just spiritual, and I'm into spirituality. But for some of those people who would say that, that really means that I'm into feeling God or feeling what I consider to be the supernatural. But that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the one true God and the biblical Holy Spirit and the Son of God. So we need to be careful when we use these terms. So what I want you to understand is that God is not a concept, he's a person. And Jesus is the representative, the, the, the very essence of that person. In fact, in John 1.18, as that gospel opens, the apostle John writes, um, no one has seen God at any time. Have you seen God? If you raise your hand, I'm gonna tell you no, you didn't. The Apostle John, no one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten God. Who's that? Who's that? Jesus. That's right. The only begotten son. 
No one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Now, that's literally what the word means. Some translations will say he has made him known, and that's true too. But the word means he has, he has explained him. He has helped us to understand him, right? He is the essence of God, right? He is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his nature. That's what it says in Hebrews 1.3. That's Jesus. So what I'm going to tell you is, in order for you to love God with all you are, you've got to love Jesus. Amen? Or you don't know God, and you can't love God because you don't know what you're loving. You're just in love with a feeling or a concept, which is kind of an idol, right? It's like, you know, I make up this idea of what God is to me, and then I fall in love with the idea. Um, I invited two different people to come to church yesterday, and I don't see either one of them here, so I failed. But anyway, um, but one was, a, was a, an older gentleman that was sitting out on our, our bench, and he's been here before. And, and I love it, because he, he made a very prophetic comment. So um, yesterday was like uh, some sort of like fast and furious day or something like that over at the Plaza Theater. And they had all of these, uh, these old Mazda RX-7s out there, right? The old rotary engine, because people are still keeping those alive and they like to you know, race them and make them look cool and all that. And there were a bunch of them parked out there, but then over by the library, there were even more, okay? And so this, this older gentleman just sitting out there looking and I walked by and I said, hey, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing good. He said, they're out there worshiping their idols, aren't they? <laughs> it was awesome. Because they're all looking at their cars and taking pictures of their cars. And, wow, look at this. This is my idol. We kind of do that with a lot of stuff, don't we? But we even do that with our own God concept. But your concept of God is not God. Amen? Your idea of God is not God. Your feeling of God is not God. God is God. And Jesus is his exact representation. He's the essence of God. He is the one that has explained God. So if you are going to know God, if you're going to love God, you have to know Jesus and you have to love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? That's the question. So in the, the text that we just looked at, Jesus starts off by saying, I know all your good deeds. Listen, you're good people. I think you are. Now, that's my estimation. I'm not comparing you to anybody else but you. You're good people. I'll be honest with you. When this pandemic started, I was uh, uh, worried for a day or two about how we were going to keep these doors open. Praise God, we made ways for you guys to give even when you didn't show up. But, you know, I, if you remember, we weren't even supposed to leave our houses. And, uh, you know, so there we are. And, well, we, don't, we had already set up, you know, our, our ability to stream online and all those sorts of things. And we had you send pictures of yourself watching it and all that, which is really cool. But see, you all kept it up, man. We continued to pay the bills even when everything was shut down. Isn't that amazing? Now we're doing, we're experiencing what we experience a lot of times in the summertime. We've, we've got a bit of a lull and, you know, we're getting a little bit further and further into the red and this happens in the summertime and you got to be faithful. But see, overall, you're, you're good folks, man. Okay. 
You're not bad folks. So listen to what the Lord says to you. He says, I know your good deeds. I know your hard work. I know your perseverance in the faith. You stuck it out. Right? Even some of you that, you know, maybe you need to come back to church. You've been watching for a long time. You know, maybe you've been watching our church and there's one near you and you need to go to your church. But you've been, you've been watching for a long time. Some of you still staying at home. You need to come back to church. You need to be at church. This is not the same thing as being here in the room with us, right? We all need to be here together. The Lord knows your perseverance. You, you've hung in there. You've stuck it, you stuck it out. You didn't give up, right? He says, I know all of that. And he says, I know that you cannot stand evil or evil people. And that's, that's a sore spot with me. You know, when I, when I see injustice, when I see evil happening, when I see how unfair things are. So, you know, some of you have been on top of looking at these issues that have been, and I, I told you last week, the, the, the faulty view of justice as social justice. But I don't think that that's why many of you that decided to get involved in protests and so forth were, were doing that. We just want to see fairness. We want to see justice. We want to see all people treated equally. And, and I think that's you. I think that's part of your heart. And, and that's what the Lord says. Hey, I know this. I see this. You can't stand evil and you can't stand injustice. Uh, he says, I know that you don't follow false teachers or fake spiritual leaders. And by and large, I see that with our people. Now, initially, you could be led to pay attention to a particular celebrity pastor or uh, an online teacher or whatever. But if you've been paying attention to what we teach here with the, with the scripture, you're going to pretty quickly discover whether what you're receiving from someone else is legitimate or whether it's fraudulent. Because what I'm always trying to do here is show you the real thing, right? It's that illustration I've used many times and it's not original with me. U.S. Treasury agents, in order to um, be able to spot counterfeit currency, in order to spot a fake, they don't study fakes. They study the real thing. Do you know what the most counterfeited currency in the world is? The U.S. $100 bill. And that's why, <laughs> I don't know if you've held a $100 bill in your hand recently. It's been a while since I have. But on rare occasions, you know, I'm like, oh, dude, a $100 bill. It's ridiculous how many features there are in that to try to keep it from being uh, counterfeited. Like, it's, it's weird. There's just a million things going on there. I'm like, it probably took $100 to print this piece of paper, right? But the point is, those treasury agents look at that original. And once you get the feel of that and the smell of that, and you look at all those features, when somebody hands you a fake, you're like, this is fake. Listen, if you're paying attention to what you're being taught in here at 9.30 with Pastor Craig, who's got a master's degree in theology, and he's spending time teaching you the Word of God. If you're coming on Wednesday, and you're receiving what I'm teaching on Wednesday, if you're coming here on Sunday morning, we're giving you the Word. We're telling you the truth. And so you should be able to spot a fake. And in this text, I think the Lord is saying to this church, I can't say that he's saying it to every single one of you, but he's saying, listen, I know that you can't stand evil and injustice, and I know that you don't follow false teachers and fake spiritual leaders. He says, I know you still give, and I know you still serve. And nonetheless, he says, but I have this against you. You've left your first love. And then... It gets more sobering. He says, you need to repent. 
you need to have a change of heart. You need to stop loving the world and the things in the world. You see, that's the problem. If you love the world and the things in the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. That's what John said in 1 John. Wow. For the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the boastful pride of life, those things are from the world. And those who follow the world, well, they're not going to live forever because the world and its lusts are passing away. But he said, the one who does the will of God will live forever. Do you love Jesus? Be honest with yourself. Don't compare yourself to someone else in this room. Do you love Jesus? If you would honestly say, you know what? Not like I should. Not like I did. Then this is your message. He says, return to me. Now, don't waste time. Because if you don't, I'm going to remove your candle stand from its place. What does that mean? I'm not going to let you serve anymore. I'm not going to let this church serve here anymore. You know, we've been given a reprieve in this building for a long time. And here we are on the corner and we're supposed to be sh shining the light here. They, you know, we've got the candle stand here and it's lit. And we should be shining the light here. But the reality is sometimes I uh, am under the impression that you're just coming on Sunday and then you're going your way and doing your thing the rest of the week. And we're not really shining our light down here like we could and should. Now, we've extended our outreach online. What are you doing when you're online? What are you reposting? What are you talking about? You have a lot of opportunities to share the gospel. You have a lot of, we give you lots of opportunities to share what we're doing here, right? The reason I'm wearing two microphones here, Lige records this message and on Wednesday every single week and we podcast it. Share that. Follow it. Get it going on. We can, get the, we can get the outreach of this church out there, but I can't do it all myself. It's, you know, it's what you can do and what you're called to do. So I said I invited a couple of people yesterday, but multiply that times the people in this room. Multiply that times the people out there, and we would have hundreds of people in this building. Amen? And we would have thousands of people online. My question is, do you love Jesus? Now, this church isn't all there is. But this is my message to this church, and you're a part of this church. And I think, really, part of loving Jesus is loving his bride, and that's this church. Do you love this church? Because I love you. I'm grateful that you're here every week. I'm grateful that you're here. I miss you when you're not here. But, you know, if you just love me or love this church, that's, that's not going to cut it. You've got to love Jesus. That's what we've got to get back to. We've got to get back to our first love. Our first love and priority has got to be Jesus. So the question is, have you left your first love? So I'm going to invite you as we enter into a, a final time of worship. I'm going to invite you to return. I'm going to invite you to bring your heart, okay? Let's, let's, let's think of it as a, as a symbol. Bring your heart to the altar. Bring your heart back to Jesus. You know, a lot of times... When we're singing worship songs, we'll raise our hands, right? It's kind of an expression of wanting to lift myself up, my heart toward my hands, toward heaven. If that's not you, right, you just can't do that, that doesn't work for your worship style, that's okay. Get on your knees or bow your head and focus and concentrate. But if you're just standing there and there's static going on in your head, you're not thinking of anything, not thinking of Jesus, 
or if there's a million thoughts running through your mind about where you're going to go eat lunch next and who just called you a name online and what you want to go do with this or that or the other thing, we're not worshiping and we're not showing we love Jesus. We're just showing we're bored with church and you're wonderful people and you're good people. But it's worn smooth. It's gotten old. I want you to love us, we'll love each other. I want you to love me. I want you to love our church. But see, I really want you to love Jesus. Amen? I want your kids to know you love Jesus. You say, I, I thought this was Father's Day. It's not a Father's Day message. Oh, absolutely. Men, I think you love your wives. I bet you love your kids. But you can't be the father that you're called to be unless you love Jesus. You just can't. Your family needs to see you as an example of someone who loves Jesus. Not a perfect human being that never makes any mistakes, does never lose his temper, but someone who's always asking for forgiveness, who's always willing to come back, who is worshiping the Lord. Do you love Jesus? Why don't you come back to him now? Pastor Craig will be up here. I'll be up here. We'd love to pray with you.